I want to say something real quick before I get going because I, I, was, I was looking for a place to put this in my sermon and I couldn't find it. So I'm just going to do it right now. There's, I got a little bit of a pet peeve. Now, if this goes against your theology and your doctrine, I'm sorry. But, uh, man, just hear me out. You know, there's all kinds of people out there in churches that say, you just come up and, and you say this little prayer and you, you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You accept Him as your Savior. And like, that's not biblical. That's totally backwards. Amen. Because when I think about Him, who am I to accept Him? He is the King of all glory. He is the one without sin, pure, holy, magnificent, glorious, and wonderful. He is Savior. He is Deliverer. He is Healer. He is Life. He is Love. He is Strength. That's who He is. My greatest attribute is filthy rags compared to Him. Who am I to accept Him? He accepts me. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 15 and 16, he said, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. I don't accept him. He accepts me. And all my faults and my failures and my weaknesses and in my, my humanity and everything that I, he accepts me. He still loves me. Hallelujah, and I'm so thankful for that. You have not chosen me, I have chosen you. Look at your neighbor and say, you're chosen. Come on, look at somebody else and tell them, you're chosen. And you're not just chosen, but you're chosen by God himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I want to talk to you today about, chosen, chosen. First Peter 2 and 9, Peter, he's talking to the church, First Peter 2 and 9, and he says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. <laughs> My God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. You are chosen of God. Amen. Matthew 22 and 14 in the Amplified, it says, For many are called, many are invited, many are summoned, but few are chosen. And you're chosen because God brought you here today to speak a word into your life that he wants to touch you with, that he wants to work in you. You're not here by accident. You're not here just because somebody asked you to come today or you woke up and thought, hey, it's a good idea to come to the house of the Lord. No, the Bible says no man comes to the Lord except the Spirit of God draws him. God drew you into the house today. God brought you here because you're chosen of God for a purpose and a plan. Everybody say, I'm chosen. Lift your hands one more time. Let's pray. God Almighty, I remove every doubt. 
Remove every lie, every stronghold of the enemy, God. Lose faith and expectation into this place. God, I pray you help us see a little greater. God, open us up, God. God, the lies that men and women or people or the enemy or even ourselves have spoken to ourselves today. In the name of Jesus, I come against those lies and I cast them down and I lose revelation in the Holy Ghost today. Let the Word do a work in this house, God. Let the Word do the work, God, that you've ordained for it to do in the life of each and every one of us today. Hallelujah. Now, I'm a little bit pumped up. Woo! I'm excited because God's good. God's good. I remember, I remember there were some Sunday mornings I woke up back in the day. I didn't know where I'd been for days. <laughs> Amen. But I know where I'm at. Hallelujah, because my God's been so good to me. And so with that being said, I want you to preach with me today. So you can say amen. It's all right. You can clap your hands. If you feel like jumping up to your feet and shouting, you can do that. It's okay. Hey, hey, we like to have fun in here. Amen. I'll tell you what, heaven's going to be a little bit of an exuberant place. People aren't going to be sitting around going, no, 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 no. We're going to be up worshiping God 24-7. Amen. For all eternity. We're going to be dancing before him. We're going to be shouting before him. We're going to be clapping our hands and praising him because he's a good God. Okay, we'll see what happens. God's ways of doing things are different than man's ways. His methods most often are different than what we have come to know and understand as people, as mankind. When man chooses a thing, he tends to choose based on preference. He tends to choose based on our criteria, our, our own thinking. Man, man seems to try to choose based on accomplishment and based on accolade and based on success and based on merit. Maybe it's something that we've earned, something that we think is deserved in our lives or the life of another. But when God chooses something, he does it a little bit different than you and I. He does it a little bit different than mankind. His methods are different than ours. Because when God chooses things and when God chooses people, he doesn't seem to use the same criteria, criteria that you and I would use. He doesn't seem to follow the same formula that society and the world and culture follows. When God chooses things and people, he's not only looking for the same qualifications that we would always use. He doesn't look for the same human accomplishment. He doesn't seem to get preoccupied with, with resumes or pre pedigrees like we do. Education levels don't mean a thing to God. Our talents and our abilities are inconsequential to our sovereign God. He doesn't follow the protocol that we follow. God just uses his own logic when it comes to choosing something for himself. Let me give you a few examples of this in Scripture. When God was looking for a people to call his home, he didn't go to a wealthy people. He didn't choose a kingly people. He didn't choose a great people on the earth at that time. He didn't go to the greatest bloodline and choose a people out of them. No, he chose for his people to come out of a simple man, not out of a great nation, but from a humble man of no real prestige in the world at that time. And when God spoke to Abraham, Israel was just a gleam in his eye. And in true creator fashion, God started with one man and one promise that proceeded over time. Time to fashion a great nation. 
God seemed to have a little bit of a different criteria when, when God had to choose someone to deliver his people out of Egyptian bondage. He didn't choose the guy that they would have chosen. They would have chosen a guy that had it all together. They would have chosen somebody rich and somebody powerful, somebody with a lot of influence, and yet God had a different idea. He decided to go in a lesser direction. He chose an old has-been vagabond, a, a fugitive who was living as a nomad on the backside of the desert to lead his people to revival and deliverance. When it came time for the nation to choose a king, the people chose Saul because by their logic and by their standard, he was the clear favorite. He was the clear choice according to the way they figured it. Saul had all the attributes that you could want in a king. He came from a prominent family. He was head and shoulders above all the people in the land. He was a clear choice in the people's eyes of who should be their king. And yet later on, when it was God's turn to choose a king, he went in a little bit of an unconventional direction. He chose a skinny little freckle-faced kid out back in the fields sitting with the sheep. He chose the one that when the prophet came to his father's home and told him God had sent me here to anoint the next king, the father didn't even bring that young man before the prophet. He brought all of his other sons except little David before the prophet because no one thought that David could be the king. But God doesn't just see what someone is, but he also sees what can be. He doesn't just see a person's present, but he also sees their future potential. When God decided to come to earth to save mankind to robe himself in flesh and become one of us. He didn't do it in a way that everybody expected he would do it. He didn't come the way all the people were expecting him to come and how they would have had it happen if the people would have had their choice. If it would have been up to the people, Messiah would have come with great power and great pomp and with great splendor, and yet God chose differently. He chose to come as an innocent baby in a lowly manger on a silent night in Bethlehem. And even when Jesus chose his disciples, his leaders, if you will, he ignored every popular idea of the day about what kind of person could fit into that role. Men said you ought to choose from the elite. You ought to choose from the ed- educated. If you want to lead a spiritual revival, you're, not, you're going to need a star-studded cast of directors and advisors and talents. And yet Jesus took a different approach. He chose from the ranks of the uneducated. He chose those without any influence. He chose from the common people to lead his church. And all of these examples and so many more from Scripture helps you and I to understand that while God's choosing might not make any sense to a lot of us, and while God's choosing might not make a lot of sense to humanity, and while his choices might confuse and confound us, we find that when we let God choose, he never gets it wrong. When we let God do the choosing, he never gets it wrong. He knows exactly what he is doing. And he's always better than humanity at making decisions. Amen. We see that God doesn't have a history of making bad choices. 
And I want to remind us here today that God's ways are still higher than man's ways. I want to remind us today that our human wisdom is foolishness to a sovereign God. That our intellect pales in comparison to God. That our righteousness, that our best ability, that the best thing about us is as filthy rags compared to our God. God's not impressed with my resume. He's not infatuated or impressed with my accolades. He doesn't stand in all of my accomplishments, but no, but rather I stand in all of Him, and I stand in all of His glory, and I stand in all of His wonder. Uh, the book of First Chronicles chapter 15 tells us about David and how David has to devise a plan to move the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not going to go into all the history of it because it takes too long, but Jesus or David had, he had established Jerusalem at the, as the final resting place of the Ark of the Covenant. Jerusalem is where a temple will be built. It's where God's glory will be on display for mankind. And we have to understand that the Ark of the Covenant represents the Spirit of God himself. It's there at the Ark that God would make contact with mankind in the Old Testament it was at the mercy seat that God would take up the sacrificial blood, signifying his mercy towards the sins of his people. And now David finds him in a, himself in a spot where he has to move the ark, the very thing that represents the glory of God in the earth. And the question has come to David, how am I going to do that? Because he messed up the first time. And he's like, how am I going to do that? How am I going to accomplish this great feat of bringing the glory of God to Jerusalem? First Chronicles 15 and 1 says, And David made him a house in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God, and he pitched for it a tent. And then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. That's how we're going to do it, David said. That's how we're going to move the ark. We're going to have the Levites carry it. Well, why, David? There's 11 other tribes. Why the Levites? Why, why would you have the Levites carry it? And David says, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. God chose them. Now, you may or may not remember who the Levites were. They were direct descendants of the tribe of Levi. Levi was one of Jacob's 12 sons. And every son that Jacob had, there was 12 of them. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. And so Levi was one of Jacob's sons. And out of his loins came the tribe of Levi. Now the interesting thing about Levi. Levi was one of only two brothers out of the 12 that did not receive any kind of an inheritance from their father Jacob. When he died, all the other brothers got an inheritance. Levi and Simeon, they didn't receive an inheritance. All the other brothers were left land and servants and possessions and, and cattle. But Levi and Simeon got nothing at all. Why is that? Well, you may remember that they had a sister named Dinah. And in Genesis 34, Dinah met a young prince of another nation. And the prince fell in love with Dinah, but he defiled her. He tricked her into having sexual relations with him, which caused her to be defiled. And this infuriated all 12 of the brothers, but particularly Levi and Simeon. 
And instead of taking the matter to their father and handling, handling it the right way, they, did decide, they decided to take matter into their own hands, which that right there is a sermon in and of itself. <sighs> Even though the prince had tried to come and he tried to make peace and do what was right, that wasn't good enough for Levi and Simeon. And so in the middle of the night, they stormed the city and they killed every man in that city. And when Jacob found out about what, what had been done, as you can imagine, he was very angry. He was angry with Levi and Simeon because Jacob wanted to make things right with the prince. But because Levi and Simeon had brought reproach upon his house and done this terrible thing, when it came time to make out the will, when it came time to pass out the inheritance, he just left Levi and Simeon out of the whole thing. And, and you know you've done pretty bad when dad writes you out of the will. And so when Jacob died, he gave out an inheritance to all the brothers. But when he got to Levi and when he got to Simeon, he just said, you guys are instruments of cruelty. You're cursed by your anger. And instead of blessing them, Jacob cursed them. Instead of bestowing wealth and health and blessing upon these two sons, he simply passed over and left them out of the inheritance. Levi had messed up. Levi had blown it. And not only for himself, he had blown it for all of his children. And not even just his children, but his children's children. Certainly all of the descendants would be destined to live under this curse. Everybody around him was going to be blessed, and he knew it. He'd have to watch all of his brothers go on to greatness. But because of his bad choice, because he let his humanity get the best of him, Levi was certain that he would never amount to anything for God. He was convinced that he and his family would never be remembered. He would be an outcast. He would be the black sheep of the family. He would be the brunt of the family jokes. And yet, generations later, God would need a people to serve in the house of the Lord. He would need a group who could preserve and who could carry the ark of, coven of the covenant and carry his presence in the wilderness. And I kind of tell you, God, he had a lot of choices. There were 11 other tribes. There were 11 other brothers that had gone out there. And by any other standard of selection, the tribe of Reuben or the tribe of Judah probably would have been the best pick. Had it been up to man, perhaps any of the other 10 tribes uh, would have been preferred. And yet God, true to form, wasn't going to use the same criteria as you or me to choose a people to carry his glory in this world. All the other tribes seem to be right to man, but God is not a man that he should make decisions as man does. No, God had his own method, and he decided yet again to take an unconventional route. When God was considering who it would be that would minister in his house, when he was considering who it would be that he would choose to minister in his temple and to handle the sacrifices that would atone for the sins of the people, when contemplating which tribe ought to serve as his mouthpiece to minister his word out of all the other tribes that he could have chosen, out of all the other ones that he could have selected, God said, I choose Levi. I choose Levi. I choose the one who was cursed. Amen. I choose the one that was shamed and left out of the will. I know you all, you all would have selected somebody else. I know you all would have selected 
somebody with reputation and pedigree. But God said, I'm going to choose the one who was left out. I'm going to choose the one who had no inheritance, who had no future. I'm going to choose the least of these. I'm going to choose the one who was rejected. Look, can I preach to somebody today? God didn't choose the one who knew what it meant to succeed. But God chose the people who knew what it meant to have amazing grace poured out upon their lives. He chose the people who had fallen. He chose the people who had been abused. He chose the people who had been hurt and wounded, who had been talked about, who had been ridiculed and rejected. He chose the ones that had been cast out and written off. Did he choose the ones, the people who deserved it? No. Did he choose the people who had earned it? No. He chose a people that he knew without a shadow of a doubt would appreciate his grace and his mercy toward them. And my Bible tells me that today that you and I, that we, each and every one of us are born into sin. We are shapen in iniquity. We are all sinners. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we be honest with ourselves, many of us have done a lot more than just falling short. Some of us had really messed things up in our lives. The world had labeled us as failure. They claimed us to be a statistic. They said, they're never going to overcome that family curse. They're never going to beat that addiction. They're never going to overcome the scars of abuse. They're never going to amount to anything, they'll always be a failure. They'll always just mess up because they've done it one too many times. And according to man's logic, you and I would never be the chosen of God. Oh, but thanks be unto God. Oh, but thanks be unto God. He doesn't operate like man. He doesn't choose the way man does. He chooses out of his mercy and his grace and his love. And you are chosen of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Peter came along and he said, but you are a chosen people. Uh, wait, 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 Peter, are you talking to me? Well, certainly you're not talking to me, Peter, because you know I did mess up. And I did make some bad choices. And I am the outcast of my family. I'm broken and I'm marred material. I am the brunt of the jokes at the holiday table. Certainly you're not talking to me, Peter. But he said, no, 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 you are a chosen people. <laughs> There's no prerequisite to that. There's nothing in there to keep you from that. He said, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. That's what God says about you. That's what God's idea of you is. Why, God, why, why would you say that about me? Well, I'll tell you why. So that, you, so that you might show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That you might stand in this earth in the darkness of this world and you can say, my God reached into my mess and he pulled me out one day. And I'm going to praise him and I'm going to lift him up so that others can see what God has done in the life of an individual. Because there was a time when you weren't a people, but now you're the people of God. Ah, Jesus. There was a time when you weren't anybody, but now you're a somebody. And you're not just a somebody, you're God's somebody. 
Ah. He said, you're somebody which had not obtained mercy in times past, but now you've obtained mercy. I want you to hear me today, ladies and gentlemen. You and I have been chosen. You have been chosen. We've been chosen by God for a purpose. I want to tell you today, you're not here by accident. You were chosen to be here today to hear what God has to say to you, to you. Yeah, Pastor, why would God choose me? I don't deserve it. I'm a mess up. I'm a failure. I've hurt myself and too many others. I've let my humanity get the best of me. I've let sin control me. Why? Why would he call me? I mean, when God could have chosen anybody, somebody who was better suited, somebody with more education, somebody with more money, somebody who had their life together. Why? Why me? Well, I'll give you two reasons today why God chose you. Number one, God chose you because he loves you. Ah, come on, somebody. You are ready for all that. God chose you because he loves you. That's why he chose you. He loves you. Man, you need to get that down in your spirit. I said God chose you because he loves you, and he loves you unconditionally. You know, I was asked the other day, how do you know, how do you know God loves you? How do you know God loves you? How do you know that God loves us? And let me show you how I know, Romans 5 and 6. He said, for when we were yet without strength, when I couldn't overcome that addiction, when I couldn't overcome my anger, when I couldn't overcome my failures and my hurts and my fears and my doubts and all the stuff that bound me up my whole life. When I couldn't overcome it, when I, when I couldn't get away from it, in due time, Christ died for who? The righteous? The good? Those that had it all together? Those that were living good? No, for the ungodly. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, but God, he commendeth, that means he, he extends, that word commendeth means he, but God, he extends his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet mess ups, while we didn't have it all together, Christ died for us. That right there should make you jump to your feet and shout out to God and give him praise. Hey, you were worthy of the cross, but he went to it for you anyway. God. In all my mess, in all my failures, in all my faults, he didn't look at that. He said, I'm going to give myself for you. I'm going to give myself for you. I'm going to go to your cross. I'm going to bear your sin. Okay, I love it. because of who I am, but because of who he is. That's how I know he loves me. Not because I get a good goosebump feeling or I got blessings in me. I'm thankful for the blessings and I'm thankful for the presence. I'm thank but that's not how I know. If he takes all that away, if he takes it all out of my, I still know he loves me because he told me. He told me and his promises are yea and amen. And I know that he robed himself in flesh and that he went to my cross and he endured my suffering. To set me free, to heal me, to bring me new life because he loves me. So I want to tell you, tell you, great is the love of God for you and me.
God's love surpasses anything that we could ever imagine. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He loves his people. And he came and he died for you and me because he chose us out of love. He chose you out of love. But not only did he choose you because he loved you, let me give you the second reason he chose us. He chose us because God needed a people. God needed a tribe who would be willing to carry his presence in the earth. He needed a Levi. He needed a Levi. He needed a tribe of people who would be willing to put the presence of God on their shoulders. And to talk to and, and to walk to and fro amongst the earth. He needed a people who would preserve the glory of Almighty God in our human earthly realm. He needed a people who weren't afraid to minister in the house of God and do what God needed to be done. He needed a people who weren't afraid to carry his presence in the earth. Let me tell you something today. The Levites weren't just chosen to carry a box. They weren't just chosen to carry a piece of furniture. No, no, they were chosen to carry the very spirit and presence of God Almighty Himself. My God, what an honor. My God, what a privilege. My God. Now that's not the kind of privilege you give to somebody who's messed up. That's not the kind of privilege that we would give to somebody we couldn't trust and that we couldn't count on. And yet God said, when I was looking for somebody to carry my spirit in the earth, I looked for a people who I loved and who I delivered from being left out of the will of the earthly father to being the benefactor of the heavenly father. A people that went from being rejected by man to being elevated to a place of closeness with the presence of God like nobody else. Jesus. Ah, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands right now. Lift your hands right now. Let God do what he wants to do. Come on, why don't you just thank him for a moment. Thank you, God, that you chose us. Thank you, God, that you chose us, God. We didn't deserve it, God. Hallelujah, God. We didn't do anything to merit it, God, but yet you chose us. Okay, hallelujah. Jesus told his disciples, I'm with you right now. But there's coming a day that I'm going to be inside of you. Uh, they told him that he would send a comforter. His own spirit would come and that it would give, that it would live on the inside of them. Now, if it had been up to man, man would have chosen the elect to fulfill this great honor of carrying the very presence of God, his very spirit. Man would have chosen somebody who was a little better a little more educated. They would have chosen the teachers and the preachers. <laughs> but when God went to choose, who am I going to, who am I going to impart my spirit to? Who am I going to trust to be the carriers of my presence in this earth? The Bible says he chose fishermen. He chose tax collectors. Some of the people who were outcast. And the Bible says on the day of Pentecost that the the promise was fulfilled, and the Spirit came, and it 
filled all the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. No longer would the presence of God be in a box, but now it dwells in His temples. You and I, every born-again believer, hallelujah, that's been filled with His Spirit is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. God chose a new tribe that day, a tribe of sinners, a tribe of failures, a group of cursed households who had been left out by society. He chose the people that had made some bad choices. He chose the people who were a lost cause in society's standards, people of no reputation, people of no inheritance, even people that had failed him and denied him. And these are the people. This is the tribe he chose to carry his spirit. And here's what we need to know today. Such were some of us. Such were some of us. Because it was us who were dead in our trespasses and sin. And whose society had cast aside. It was us who had no hope and no inheritance and no future. But thanks be unto God that one day the Lord saw fit to choose us. The Lord saw fit to reach into our lives and call us out of this world. And choose us to be his new tribe. To choose us to be the representation of his glory in this world. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I wasn't good enough for it. I didn't make the grade. But God, but God, but God commended his love toward me. That while I was yet a sinner, while I was rejected by man, in my failure and hopelessness, he loved me. He loved me. And he loves you. And he's choosing you. And he chooses you. Now the presence of God is no longer contained to a wooden box. And no longer does the presence of God dwell in the temple made with hands. But now that very same kind of glory that the Levites carried on their shoulder from place to place, the very presence of God that they were to walk around the wilderness with, now lives and dwells in me, and he lives and he dwells within you. Hallelujah. Hey, somebody, you've been chosen to carry the very presence of God and the glory of God into this world. You've been chosen by God when nobody else would choose you. When man wouldn't choose you. When society wouldn't choose you. God chose you. God chose you. Oh, God chose you. I'm chosen. We've been chosen. We've been chosen. It don't matter what that person said when you were a kid. It don't matter what happened to you. It don't matter what all those people have told you your whole life. It don't matter. It don't matter the lies you've told yourself. Amen. You need to cast that stuff off and get a hold of the fact that Jesus loves you. And he chose you. He cho- In your mess, he chose you. In your failures, he chose you. In all of your faults, he chose you. We've been chosen. We've been chosen. To carry the very presence of God himself. Music, I'm about to close. If we could stand on our feet.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of God so strong. Oh, you got to receive what I'm telling you today. The enemy wants you to think that you're a failure. The enemy wants to hold you bound and kept down because of your faults and mistakes. That's not God. Uh, He said, I'll make you a new creature. All things will become new. We've been chosen to love the unlovable. We've been chosen to show mercy to those that have been misjudged. We've been chosen to be a light in a darkened world. We've been chosen to offer hope to the hopeless. I'm chosen to preach the gospel to the world. I'm chosen to serve in the house of the Lord. I'm chosen to minister to my fellow man. I'm chosen to serve the kingdom of God. I may not qualify to serve in man's kingdom, but I'm called and I'm chosen to serve in God's kingdom. Jesus said, I did not choose you. Or you did not choose me, sorry. I was like, yeah, yeah, you did. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you, he chose you. He chose you. Every one of you, he chose you today. I may not be perfect, but I'm forgiven. I may have fallen seven times, but I didn't stay down. I may have been cursed by man, but now I'm blessed by God. I may have once walked in darkness, but now I'm walking in light. I may have once been the child of the dark, but now I'm a child of the light. And all of this is so that I might show forth the praises of my God in this world, so that I might testify to the praise of the one. Who has loved me enough to choose me? Who has loved me enough to call me? Who has loved me enough to bring me into relationship with him? Like every every head bow and every eye closed, if you would, please. We're gonna we're gonna sing and we're gonna pray here in a minute. We're gonna sing and we're gonna pray, and God's gonna move it. But I wonder today if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice, maybe. Maybe you don't know what it's like to be chosen. Maybe you can't relate to having God wrapping his loving arms around you and telling you that you're enough. I've come to tell you today, it's it's not not he that chose you. You didn't choose him, but it's he that's choosing you. And he wants to wrap his loving arms around you. He wants you to know that you are enough. By His grace, you are enough. He wants you to know that you love Him and that He loves you. He wants you to know that He died for you. He wants you to know that you have hope beyond this life. You do have an inheritance. You do have greater hope. You do have something that the world didn't give you and the world can't take you take it away from you and that is the love of God. He chose you and he chose me. We are chosen. We are chosen. Hallelujah. Why don't you lift your hands all across this place right now? Why don't you lift your hands?
Hey, if you're glad that he chose you, why don't you just go ahead and thank him for that right now. Why don't you just let him know, God, I'm thankful that you chose me. God, I was undeserving. God, I didn't deserve it, but you chose me. You chose me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. I'm going to open up these altars. I'm going to ask you, if you want to step out of your seat and come and pray, I'm going to invite you to come up and pray. Hallelujah. Invite yourself into the presence and the will and the purpose of God. Come on. It's okay. Just step out and come and let God minister to your heart. Let him wrap you in his loving arms. I am who you say I am. Maybe, maybe you've never repented of your sins. God wants to forgive you today. God wants to cleanse you today. Maybe you've never been baptized in Jesus' name for the washing away of those sins. You can be baptized today in all your sins, all your faults, all your failures. God, they're gone. And God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you with His Spirit. Oh, come on, somebody, why don't you lift your hands right now? Are you thankful that He chose you? 